You play ball like a girl! Aren't you a girl? Gee, good eye. I'm a girl. That doesn't mean I have to wear a skirt. It's not a girl thing. It's not a boy thing. It's a skills thing. When I first started playing tennis, women weren't really encouraged to play sports, let alone excel in sports. Just want to play ball. Welcome to Ball Like a Girl. And here's your host, Olivia Stacy. Welcome into a new edition of Ball Like a Girl presented by Heavy.com. I'm your host, Olivia Stacy. So during in 2018, we're having a somewhat different style than our normal podcast. Because this week is an extended conversation about some of the major trends and stories we're seeing in the sports media landscape. We'll aim to do this about once a month. And in this week's episode, I'm joined by Kelly Hawkins, who is the founder of The Daily Rally. If you're not familiar with it, it's a daily sports email newsletter that aims to deliver the most relevant sports stories of the day. It's done very well so that you can basically catch up on everything that's prominent in the sports world in a concise, witty, and informative manner. Before launching TDR, Kelly was a host, reporter, and producer at PGA Tour, and she's also worked with a variety of other sports networks, so she brings a very well-rounded view to this roundtable discussion. She joins us today to break down some of the recent headlines in our industry, the future of sports media, and in particular, we spent a lot of time talking about the Me Too campaign why it took a little longer for it to make waves in the sports industry and how it's impacted those of us in the sports profession. Take a listen. Hey, Kelly, great to have you joining us today in our first media roundtable discussion. And this is a, a new concept for us, but I'm excited to tackle a few topics with you today. How are you doing? Me too. Thanks, Olivia, for having me on. I'm excited to kind of wrap up uh, last year and tell you a little bit about what I've been up to and uh, catch up in general. I know, I know. And we're going to get into all of that because you have been busy and I can't wait to kind of break down what you've been up to. And we're going to start off with the conversation looking back on 2017 in sports media. And and at the end of this, we'll also discuss what trends we think will shape our industry in the new year. But, um, you know, I'm just going to dive in headfirst to a hot topic that I know you and I have discussed before on a personal level. Um, and, and it really has been one of the biggest campaigns and trends in 2017 in general. And that's been the Me Too campaign. I see this only continuing to build momentum. There's no signs of this slowing down. And, you know, it's clearly taken off. And Stories have emerged from nearly every industry, but in the past month, it hit the sports media landscape pretty hard. So I felt it was a good topic to start off with today uh, because it just impacts so many women across so many different platforms. I know you're very present on social media and take note of all of these trends. I'm curious to hear your initial reaction when you first saw the Me Too campaign starting to kind of take hold of the sports landscape because it took a little bit longer for it to hit sports. Right. Well, no shocker, I don't think, to anyone that there has been a slight uh, tone of sexism in the industry for as long as it's been around because it really was a boys club for such a long time. And, you know, 
I look back when it first started happening. I think the first thing I did is I was going, okay, I thought about my personal experiences and the fact that I have had a relatively positive experience in my career with having great male mentors and great male coworkers who have never done anything but make me feel welcome mm-hmm. and great. And that is super important to me. But that's not to say at all that there have not been instances where peripheral characters have come into the picture and done dumb things and said terrible things and you know some of the me too stories you see you know sometimes it's just a person that's coming in and say you know commenting on how a girl looks every day or something that's seemingly harmless to that person but you really start going these once they pile up they can really affect a person mentally and emotionally and affect her work and her motivation to come to work and I mean I know that's how I felt before where when someone's bringing you down repeatedly or you feel like you're in an environment like that it can totally affect your work and I would think I was you know I was really happy to see that people were coming forward and telling their stories and it definitely made me just reflect on my experiences a lot and go this is incredible that this has happened to so many people and that seems to really have been ingrained in the culture but you know when I when I've thought about some of the people in my life that I've worked with who are really good men and really professional men and women, I, I realized that I think that their biggest learning moments are when they witnessed something happening firsthand, you know, like to elaborate on that. Like I remember there was a couple of times that I had some of the male writers or um, fellow producers or whoever at the tour walking with me and they would see some of the comments I would get from maybe just like some random guy in the gallery or from, you know, whoever that's at the tournament, because there's a ton of people out there, and they would kind of go, whoa, mm-hmm. I can't believe people just say things like that to you. And you're like, yeah, that, that's like, that's like not even a big deal what you just heard. And, right. <laughs> you know, like, like, oh, it gets, it gets worse. You know, hopefully it's not, you know, much worse than what they would hear. But it was like, for me, I found that a lot of the really good men that I worked with, it went to another level of understanding for them when they saw it happening firsthand mm-hmm. and I think so many so much of the time for the past you know 30 40 years it's just been so ingrained in the culture that they don't uh, it became normal and for me when guys saw this happening or saw something that was inappropriate happen to me I think it kind of made them more alert and made them kind of wake up to like what was happening going oh I should be more cognizant of my comments or just Mm -hmm. fleeting things that I say that I think is you know I don't think is bad or I think it's funny or whatever that was the biggest thing I really thought about was how on a personal level that seems to be when a lot of men realize oh this is serious and I don't I like this person I don't want to hurt her feelings so I'm going to be more careful of that so hopefully bringing it back this whole movement is on a wider level making a lot of men go oh Mm -hmm. and I I I should just be more careful, you know, because I think so many times like guys say comments that they don't think are bad or they think it's it's meant with humor or they don't overthink it. And it's just saying, you know, maybe think about it a little bit more. Exactly. And I think you touched upon just a really good topic of awareness and being very deliberate with the words that we're using with one another and, and the way that we're addressing each other as colleagues or right. A fan is addressing you as a working woman, obviously, there to do a professional job. Um, And you you said a few things that um, I just brought up an interesting question, you know, in my mind, because 
I think in my experience, like sometimes the lines are blurred for us as women as to what's even considered sexual harassment and what's not. I mean, obviously there, there's there's clear examples, but I think sadly it's so prevalent that some forms of harassment as far as comments here and there or unnecessarily, you know, these um, serious grievances, but, but something that makes you feel uncomfortable and something yeah. that shouldn't be said, something that we wouldn't say to a male colleague and so it just become normalized. I mean, do you feel that right. some women just say, oh, this comes with the territory and, and accept For it sure. as normal? And I think it's also a thing, I mean, and I'm just going to be blatantly honest in this whole conversation because there's no other way to be about all of this now. But I have totally been someone who's been like, you know what, I'm going to choose my battles. Right. Because – Going through the process of dealing with a sexual harassment claim and human resources and all that, it sucks. Like, mm-hmm. it is not fun. It takes you away from your work. It makes you upset. It's like, it affects your personal life. Like, it is not fun. So, that is something that needs to be improved heavily because I just think people weren't coming forward as much. And so, there weren't these practices in place. And now it's like, okay, let's make sure that when this happens, and, you know, someone reports a sexual harassment claim, let's make it concise, let's make it quick, let's figure the problem out, and let's close it. Because it, when it drags on, it is brutal. And it yeah. makes it not want to work. It's like, especially if something's happened to you, you're like, I didn't sign up for this. Like, this yes. is not what I wanted for my week. And, you know, I know you've talked before about um, the the Panthers reporter who mm-hmm. Cam Newton talked down to. Like, th- my whole take on that whole situation was she's going, well, now I have to file my story and go deal with all <laughs> no. of this crap. So my week just got way busier. And, you know, that's that's so much of the time how it feels when you just have some doofus say something gross to you or do something weird that's uncomfortable. And you're like, well, now I have to deal with this. Yes. This isn't fun. <laughs> this, it's this like an unnecessary distraction. And, you know, I mean, at the very least, obviously, and then in some women, it's a very serious thing. But I agree with you. It's right. like, really? Really? Like now this on top of doing an already very strenuous, demanding job, I have to deal with these people on Twitter or (laughs) block this person for their crazy comment. Right. And I mean, like I've, I've dealt with the series before and it's awful. And, you know, that's not to say I'm not trying to make a light of those situations because I know how it sucks going through all that. But when, you know, so much of the time, I think the the things that just happen on a daily basis are the comments are the just little quips here and there that are just degrading or not professional or whatever. And the biggest thing I found, I mean, I'm a pretty, I'm a pretty assertive person. I mean, I'm definitely super sensitive. Like I will cry at movies and at my feelings (laughs) and everything, but like I, I've always found that I just try and nip it in the bud. As soon as someone says something, just go, Hey, no, no, I don't mm-hmm. think so. And generally that sets a tone for how you want to be treated. But so that's what I found myself thinking about so much was in the situations where, you know, some fan said something and if you turn around and just go, Hey, no, usually they like freak at the coward. Yes. They're like, I didn't, I didn't mean it. You're amazing. But, or with, you know, anyone who's, who's more on your level, it's pretty easy to go. For me, it was pretty easy to go, Hey, stop that. But right. I cannot imagine if like, Matt Lauer was doing this to you and you're a PA and you're Mm -hmm. going, this guy says he doesn't like me. I'm out of here. And he's being a freaking creep to you at best. 
and at worst assaulting his female coworkers and employees. Like it is insane to think about. And I cannot imagine what those women went through and how just trapped a lot of them probably felt. I know. I, I've thought about that so much. Like, what would I have done in that situation? And you're going, do I have to, like, literally change careers because of this jerk? Mm-hmm. Like, do, is that what it could? I mean, so that's really where I think everyone can look at people's situations and go, oh, you should have done this, and you should have done that. There's only what you will do in a situation and what you feel comfortable doing. And you can never judge someone for how they react to being harassed or having to deal with that because it's, it is – different in every case and it's complicated and there's so many feelings involved and it's mixing those feelings with your professional career and your aspirations and it's just a bummer and I mean so looking at that I always think about you know how definitely I think try and set a tone for how you want to be treated and hold yourself to that standard and hold other people to that standard but like I cannot imagine if it was some crazy powerful person that was working over you that was doing this to you like because that was so far from my experience in my career I mean I've had amazing bosses and um, with the daily rally with partners I'm working with they've all been great Mm -hmm. and I, I cannot imagine if one of them had had taken advantage of that and of their power to make me feel worse or to hurt me. Like, I just don't even know what I would do. So, I mean, it's been, it's been a little reeling reading all of it. And I've, I've had to step away from it from time to time because it is upsetting and it does kind of just, it's, it's really kind of affected a lot of my day to day, how I think about things and I think about situations and my job and everything. So uh, super long and winding, but no, that's a great issue. It is. No, you, you hit, you hit the nail on the head with, with so many, uh, just so many points that you made there. And I think that's why it took longer for a lot of these women, particularly in sports, to speak out. As I said at the beginning of the podcast, it seemed to hit Hollywood first and these other industries, but it took a little bit longer for it to come to the forefront of the sports industry. And I think that's because of people not wanting to sabotage their careers or they're trying to, as you worded it, pick their battles. You know, who do you stand up to when these men are in positions of power and are manipulating women who are ambitious. It's a very difficult balance. It's very tricky. And you also said something about Matt Lauer. And you said, can you imagine if you were a PA, which reminds me of, you know, one of the major stories that emerged this past month, in addition to that one, of course, was NFL Network. Um, And the wardrobe stylist, Jamie Cantor, who filed a lawsuit saying she'd been the victim of sexual harassment, the account was very upsetting to read. I mean, it was extremely detailed. She named six members, I believe, of the on-air talent and obviously very well-known broadcasters, former athletes, and even a top executive who, she says, sexually harassed her. And from there, more details about NFL Network's overall culture began to emerge after her story, and they were very descriptive accounts involving yeah. a variety of executives. I mean, were you shocked at all to hear this, that it was such a widespread, you know, that this continued to be something that was a widespread issue that that came from NFL Network? Yeah, for sure. I, I think... Everything is shocking because when you think of it, like, as young people, you look up to these executives and people that are in the career that you aspire to. And 
I just automatically trust those people and go, they know best and they know how to behave themselves mm-hmm. and they know how to be professionals. And you just, I always have found that I give people that assumption. And I think I'm lucky to have two parents who surround themselves with really professional ethical people. And so I've always, I always saw that growing up. Um, and that's what I was used to being around. So I assumed whenever I got into this world, like that is how people conduct themselves. And so when you hear that someone is at the top of the top and they're doing this, you're just going, how did you get there? Like, how does, how is this rewarded? And I mean, I, I remember hearing, when I was like an intern, when I was still in college, I were hearing some things about different people who I looked up to at networks and going, wait a second, that's the job I want to have. Do I have to be like that to get there? And I remember like having this whole like, just sort of come to Jesus moment of being (laughs) like, what is it worth? Like, is that what's rewarded being not a good person and being rude to, I mean from my from my perspective it was more like being rude to people and being late and being unprofessional and all that and then you look at this and it's so much more dramatic than that it's being a, a criminal and it's being the most unethical you can be and being a predator like it's awful and so you go I mean I I just I look at it, the whole landscape not just one you know I look at the whole Harvey Weinstein Hollywood Matt Lauer the claims at NFL Network, I kind of, to me, it all blends together because I'm just going, how did these people get in power if they were such bad people to begin with? Like, who is making these calls? And maybe I'm naive, but that's just not how I choose to conduct business with people who are unethical and creeps. And to see that they're some of the people, allegedly, who are running these companies, it's just, it's a little disheartening, but it's also a little bit where I'm going, well, this is one of the reasons I wanted to start my own company because I want to set a standard for how I do things and how businesses run here. And that I don't, I want to be a part of a new generation of media that is not continuing these old ways Mm -hmm. because I think we've come to the end of that and it is all out there now. And I think a lot of these creepers are scared for their lives right now because I mean, at this point, everyone's getting called out. Mm -hmm. No one's safe. And if you've done something terrible, it's probably going to get aired out and your career's going to go away. So, I mean, it's kind of just, a, it feels like it's sort of a reawakening in some ways. So I think once like the shock wears off and you look at these things and go, this is terrible, there's an opp- opportunity to go, well, I think now there's, there's a chance to do things better and to do things the right way, hopefully. So. Exactly. And I'm, you know, it's, Something that um, we know affects people on all levels uh, of the business. And we've both been in more visible on-camera roles. And we've experienced this to a certain degree. But a male colleague of mine asked me a question the other day. And and I agree with you, too. I just want to say I feel so fortunate that I've had many male colleagues who have supported my work and helped me grow in this profession. And um, quite frankly, I wouldn't be where I am am today without them. So I agree with you. I mean, there's been so many wonderful mentors and, and yes, male colleagues who just helped me as a journalist. But um, he said to me, I wonder how different the culture is for those who work behind the scenes as compared to women who serve as on-air talent because of their platform visibility and influence. And it got me thinking if, you know, we recognize these things on our level, then someone 
you know, for instance, like the NFL Network account of someone who's behind the scenes who doesn't have a large following, maybe doesn't, her opinion doesn't hold as much weight because she's not as well known or, you know, people might not consider her as credible of a source because she's not, you know, Aaron Andrews or <laughs> someone on that level. And thinking about, yeah, the repercussions for, for them and also maybe that they're exposed to more of it is a scary thought. Yeah, and I, you know, I think about if, if I was in her position, I obviously cannot speak for any anyone who's made any claims or who is a victim. And but if if I was going, I mean, they could find another makeup artist. Like if I if I say stuff about this, I, I'm easily replaced. Mm-hmm. So like, do I just power through? And I mean, to an extent, speaking just on my own experience, like I we all started somewhere, and like I was logging tape at the tour for a long time, like definitely not the bell of the ball when you're doing that, you know? (laughs) And and I mean, I, I never had anything happen like that when I was in that role, but a lot of times I think back to it and I'm like, yeah, I would have just powered through probably. I mean, some of those accounts are so extreme that I'm like, whoa, I don't know if I could like any sort of weird, I mean, one time we're at UF, like a director, I was, I was working as, um, as a what was it for the baseball games with timeout coordinator mm-hmm. and so like a very unglamorous job but like getting these reps in from um just volunteering and being a student trying to make it in the industry and like some outside dude who was a director like some freelance director they hired have no idea who he is i remember him making the cameraman pan over to me and do a slow pan up of my bod <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I was like 19 or something. I was like, what the heck? Wow. Like, I mean, and you're going, well, what do I, okay, what the heck? Like, what do I do here? Because. So disturbing. I'm, I'm a, I'm a nobody. That was wildly inappropriate. Like, what do I do? And I, I think I told my, my bosses about it and stuff who I was volunteering for and you know, they took care of it. But like, you're just going, I understand why people go who am I to speak up for this person who's been in the industry for so long? But I I just hope now that anyone in any position, whether you are the makeup artist, whether you are the biggest star who's paid the most money on camera, if you're a PA, if you're starting out, or if you've been in the industry forever, you have every right to speak up. And it's, it is definitely painful. It's emotionally taxing. There's a lot that comes with it, but there's a lot of good that comes with it too, because it's, it's putting to rest something that could hurt other people too, you know? Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, I mean, it's, I think every situation when you have a victim, they're so nuanced and it's so much more complicated than what meets the eye. Exactly. And I think, you know, you're right. I mean, having these discussions, having awareness, making sure these, these criminals, as as you you know accurately called them, are on alert and on notice that this type of behavior isn't acceptable. And having right. company wide policies that will put into place a hopefully a more streamlined procedure of ways for women to file these complaints in you know an efficient way and in a way that can help them get back to work as soon as possible. Like you're saying, yeah. um, and I think that's where the change. You know, people ask me that. Well, how do you change it? And I certainly don't have the answers, but no. I think it does has to. It has to start with companies taking a stand against it and having a zero tolerance policy. And, and that's the only way, like the, the yeah. only way there has to be negative repercussions for those types of actions. Yep. And I, I just don't, I don't know if we're fully there yet. I, I think that, you know, there, 
they're complicated situations every time. But yeah, I think it's, I think everyone should just have a, their own code of conduct that you go into situations going, how, how do I want to have a plan to handle this if it happens to me? And life rarely goes according to plan. So your plan may not be perfectly executed, but I mean, just go over the situation in your head a little bit of like, who would I tell? Who can I go to that I feel comfortable about it? Who can I like to, so that you're not so just like feeling paralyzed helpless. by it. Exactly. I mean, cause situations I've had, I'm like, I was in the right place at the right time doing the right thing and something happened to me. So that was not planned for, you know, like those things yes. are not ever planned for and it throws you for a loop and you have to figure out how to move forward. And it's, it can be really paralyzing and terrible. And I mean, you, I hope that if anyone ever listening goes through that, I hope that you're surrounded by people who can help you and to help guide you through the process. Cause it sucks. But I mean, it's just, it's a shame that it's existed, but damn, I'm glad that we are, we are moving forward and exactly. we are, you know, we're at least outing these people who have caused a lot of pain and hopefully it, it really changes the course of things here. Well, Kelly, such a great uh, conversation about the Me Too campaign and looking back on the major storylines in sports in 2017 along those lines of the Me Too campaign, but also looking for our future and and what we can do to be aware of it and to continue this conversation. So uh, thanks for delving into that subject with me. I know it's important to you as well. And now I want to move into a discussion about some of the trends we're seeing in in sports media in general, because that's an area that you're clearly very passionate about. And you took a really big leap, leaving a full-time job with PGA Tour to completely immerse yourself in your own sports publication, The Daily Rally. So in my introduction to this podcast, I summarized your experience for our listeners, but why don't you elaborate on The Daily Rally? Just tell us, you know, who is your target audience? And how is your product different than other digital publications? Yeah, I definitely, you know, I think that there are so many different options in the sports media landscape right now. And one thing that I really found was missing was a great media kind of go-to source of sports news for women. Because anytime I had seen in the past anything that was sports geared toward women generally it kind of missed the mark for me and it it just was written a little maybe condescendingly or just seemed to not really understand how women talk to each other and you know like you could tell there was a man writing it for women exactly I'm like it kind of seems like a bunch of dudes sat down and were like all right let's get more chicks involved five minute meeting here we go. And like, that's just kind of how a lot of it felt. And I, I know that wasn't probably the intention for a lot of people, but I just, I realized that I'm so into sports. I was working only on golf though. So I was super immersed in that. And I kind of felt like there was no good place for me to go to. That was just, here's what's happening. Here's what's, what you need to know that was entertaining and concise and informative and gave me everything I needed. And I definitely know my friends felt that way who were, you know, more, they're into their teams and they want to know what's going on, but aren't going to go watch sports center all day. So I decided to create a daily email that you can read in five minutes and know everything that happened on the field, off the field, human kind of more human interest centric. Cause honestly, like I don't even care about the most in-depth stats and I 
work in sports. Like I care about what's the storyline here. Who are these guys and women? Like what are what are we talking about here? Mm-hmm. I also want to laugh and I want to get out the door. And so I basically put that all in an email and I send it every Monday through Friday, first thing in the morning, so that you can wake up and have your coffee or while you're commuting, if you live in a big city, um, you can read and find out everything you need to know in just about five minutes. So. I love it. I am a loyal subscriber and I also follow all your social media accounts and the wit and humor combined with the information is very compelling. And I remember when I first saw you launch this and it was like such a brilliant concept to me and almost like, why hasn't anyone else done this before? Because I have found, you know, what you said to be true is that when you have publications that are directed for women who enjoy sports, they seem to either be very fluffy and like don't offer much information or, or the type of information that we're looking for. And it's it's a little bit offensive because it's like this is very basic stuff. You you want a little bit more meat to it and a little bit more heart to the stories like you're saying, those human interest stories. Yeah, I think that there's just a balance to it because don't get me wrong. I totally – if I see a story about like Tom Brady's family and Giselle, like I'm going to read that. That does interest me. But I also – I'm interested in what he's doing on the field. So there's an in-between there, and I just think that for a long time there was no in-between. And that's kind of what the Daily Rally serves to do is go, hey, here's this interesting little tidbit that gets you to know Tom Brady better, but also look at what he's doing this season when he's 40 years old. This is bananas, you know? Right. <laughs> and and that's and, and that's kind of that's how girls talk to each other. Like, it, it doesn't have to – I remember even when I was – kind of decided in high school that I wanted to be a sports reporter and that was what I wanted to pursue at Florida go Gators I remember reading ESPN and watching and I was going this isn't for me like this no one kept a young woman in mind when they were doing this which is fine because that's been the target that's not the target audience and that's not been the audience for a long time Mm -hmm. but like half of NFL fans are women and and they're not being served this content. And so that's why I've been working with the NFL because they're going, great, we would love to have some of this content. And it just, it, like you said to me, I, I kept going, how has no one done this? And like, what, what's the problem here? And so I, you know, we're trying to solve something. And I think that it definitely, putting it out every day makes me super happy. I feel like I'm hopefully making it easier for my friends to be informed about what's going on. But then also I have a ton of guy readers too. Like this isn't just for the ladies or anything. I make sure I write it in a way that's not alienating to men or anything. And so I have a ton of male readers because a lot of guys who are sports fans just want more sports content. Mm -hmm. They're, they're like, just give me more in a fast digestible way. I have two who are super busy and don't have time to sit on ESPN all day. Like they used to in college. So it kind of, it serves a lot of people. My dad's friends love it. Like it (laughs) it definitely goes all over the place, but yeah, I just really wanted to create something for my friends was the main inspiration here. Well, yeah, it's, it's it's so relevant, and I, I it reminds me of the skim in some yeah. ways because you know that is is a way that I have a lot of times gotten my headlines of the day. And while yes, I like to follow up and maybe read on certain political topics with you know more depth on different publications, it gives me a nice recap so I know the top headlines. I I know that I haven't missed anything and I can delve into some of these topics deeper if I want to. And you have approached it a very similar way. Was that kind of an inspiration to you when you started to develop this idea? 
Oh yeah, I mean, I was literally reading it, sitting on my couch watching ESPN. It was like this, like I mean, not like I literally called my dad, and my dad's an entrepreneur and has been forever. But I was like, I have an idea because this is I love the scam. This is great. I I think this should exist for sports. And they talk about you know they'll have about the Super Bowl and they have something today and their issue about um, the college football playoff and. Mm-hmm. You know, so they they talk about when it when sports becomes part national of national headlines, mm-hmm. they have it and they do a really good job with it. But I there's more than enough sports news to talk about every single day, so I think there's definitely a place for that. And you know, moving forward, we're kind of looking at getting into more team specific and league specific and school specific content. So the dream is that you can have a daily rally for every team you want to follow mm-hmm. too and have content for that. And we're getting into more video content and stuff because just, I've heard so much feedback that people really do like the social stuff. And so I'm definitely trying to up that more and do some more commentary that's in video format too. And I'm curious, what trends did you see in the industry since you've worked in, you know, a lot of different realms in sports media before this venture? So what did you see in those jobs that made you feel it was the right time to launch this type of content and go all in? Well, I will say this is like kind of an entrepreneur 101 sort of tip that I read even when I, you know, before I quit my job, I thought of this in 2015. So it's been almost three years since I thought of the idea and I've not stopped thinking about it every day since then, but (laughs) I didn't quit my job for a little bit. I didn't quit my job until last summer and I wanted to so badly. Sometimes I was just going, we need to do this now. And it's all happened right now. And I'm so glad I didn't because staying with the tour, I did a ton of different jobs and got to travel and learn and really learn more about the industry. I was trying to create my own way in and I found with the tour that I, I mean, I got to have the best access in golf. I got to be a part of the, well, not a part, I wasn't making any business decisions, but I got to sit in the room where these decisions mm-hmm. were made and, you know, really see how a digital content strategy is made and, you know, just best practices and things like that. And so that was really helpful for starting my company. But I realized that the whole trying to target a female audience thing is a problem for everybody. Everybody wants to know how to do it. And it's been a little tough for people to figure it out. And so I really saw that like, this is a, like, there's, this has legs to it. Like we can, this is a problem that companies have, brands have it, sports sponsors have it, teams have, I mean, like, especially in golf, trying to engage women, which I'm like, this is the, this is a super important one to engage because women can play golf too. Like Mm -hmm. we can go out and, and, you know, make that a part of our careers because being able to play golf is pretty important when you're talking business with different people. This is a really big opportunity here. And so I just kind of, you know, learned more, tried to stay patient and, and kind of just got some research done and personal experience of finding that this was something that I thought really I could support myself on and hopefully grow into something bigger. And as you said, everyone is competing for attention and viewership in the sports media landscape and especially that female audience. But in general, all fans, you know, they're competing for that. Um, There's so many options out there now. And even your large, reputable networks that have been around for a long time and dominated like ESPN are experiencing this. And, you know, they recently had a second round of layoffs. Uh, How do you approach, you know, just – it, it, trying to take a slice of that audience pie, you know? Yeah. 
Well, and I think, I mean, looking at that, clearly media has changed and we're all on our phones all the time and everybody knows this. And I think that ESPN is struggling with that a little bit to go, how do we do what we've done the best for so long and transition that over into this whole new way people consume content? And I think that people who are just starting now, instead of having this ingrained way in their brains for decades, have kind of an advantage. At least that's my optimistic perspective. I do not think I'm better than ESPN in any way. But like, <laughs> I do think that it's I'm able to come at it in a little bit fresher mindset because I haven't thought there's one formula forever and i think that's what we're seeing with the athletic who i think you had one of their you had one of their yes. writers on, yeah you? nicole Auerbach. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and they're kind of going to the opposite side of the spectrum as me where they're subscription based and they are for that fan who wants all of it who wants every bit of information which that's totally like like that is my boyfriend like that he, <laughs> he is reading about Virginia basketball nonstop. Like he is perfect for them once they get to UVA. Like he's all so in. I, yeah. <laughs> yes. And so I think, and then you see, you know, the folks like Barstool who it's just viral content and what's going to get the most eyes on it and just putting out as much as they can right then. And they have a huge audience. Like it's just seeing that there is a different way to approach it now than mm-hmm. I think has really been done in the past. And I, I, when I think about my long-term goals for TDR, the thought of having a, a network or a TV show down the road is super appealing. But part of me is like, is that even going to be a thing? Mm-hmm. Are we going? Like, are we going to do that? Are we? Is the goal to have a show on Netflix? Is it to have a show on Facebook? Like, what does that actually yeah, look like? Right. And it's just so I like to look at it as it's a very exciting time, and if you're willing to just kind of go with the flow and adjust and change mediums, then it's going to be okay. And you're going to make it in the long run. So, but it's definitely, I mean, I think last year was one of the biggest years for, well, like Fox, didn't Fox lay off a bunch of their writers? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like all their writers, I think. And I it's mean, been so. a crazy year in media, just, I feel like so many transitions. And then of course the whole buyout that happened with, um, you know, basically oh, yeah. Disney acquiring Fox, which means that ESPN, you know, ESPN, which is under ABC and Disney. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's going to change things. That's going to be interesting to see what happens there with Fox yeah. being sold. I mean, that, that's crazy. That's, I mean, the biggest companies coming together. And but it does kind of tell you, like, they're trying to figure out what to do. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, they're trying to make some drastic changes here. And, I mean, I will always watch ESPN. Like, I, I love watching Game Day and I – have sports center on but there's a lot I mean I really like NFL Network's morning show yes, they yeah. like I I mean the Jags have been playing super well this season so I've been a little bit more um invested in the NFL than past when we're absolutely terrible so I've been watching <laughs> I've been watching that a lot more because I like hearing them say good things about us but <laughs> right I mean you know like our mayor was on it this morning and I was just like I'm so happy I to saw be that here. and I thought of you actually so I was like so go funny. Jacksonville Love Lenny Curry. but um but yeah, I mean, I think everyone's just trying to figure out what to do. And I guess the biggest thing you can do is just think, is this content that I'm proud to put out? Do I think that it serves a purpose? Are people going to want to watch this? Am I just checking a box by posting on Instagram or posting on Twitter? Or am I actually helping my customer base? And mm-hmm. that's that's really what I try and keep in mind when I'm posting and stuff. And I think that's what even ESPN is trying to do now. So Yeah, and, and I think there's been so many moves that have – or interesting choices that some of these networks have made that have made us 
more in tune to the fact that they are really trying to figure it out. I mean, the the, mm-hmm. the move to partner with Barstool, for instance, right. did you find that a little bit crazy or did you think like, oh, hey, th- this could work? So I felt with that, that they clearly saw, I mean, Barstool has insane numbers of engagement and clicks and followers and all of that. Like they are killing it when it comes to that and so I think ESPN was really attracted to that and went well this is what the kids are doing mm-hmm. so we need to do this with them I just thought it was was crazy to me like I actually I like part of my take I really enjoy listening to that podcast I think it's hilarious yeah. but <laughs> I mean of course Barstool's had some off-color moments in the past and they're pretty unapologetic about everything ESPN, like the fact that they had one show play and then pulled it to me was like, what are y'all doing over there? Mm-hmm. Like, how did, how did you let that even go to air if you were then going to pull it for reasons that you were totally aware of? Exactly. And, yeah. You know, like that to me just felt like such a weird, I mean, and good on them for addressing it early. If it really was going to be a huge problem for the company. I mean, that is higher, slowly fire quickly. I totally get that. So if they decided it was actually not going to be a good fit, good job you know taking care of it quickly but I feel like that was the nuts part of that to me was that it even went to air Mm -hmm. if this was going to be an issue and I mean the way they talked about it was that this was in talks for months and months and you know it just but that was an example of Sam Ponder using her voice and her platform and speaking Mm -hmm. out and it worked right yeah that was definitely an intriguing component of that was just she was not afraid to Put how she felt out there, and and I do think that had influence on on their decision. And I mean, I think that I just I think ESPN has had some problems with that because if they're going to, I I think her whole point too. I mean, she felt she was very personally attacked, and I of course do not agree with anything that they said about her. And but with them pulling Jamel Hill off the air, but then they were going to be okay with that. It was like. Yeah, have, what, what's the standard? Figure it out internally yeah. over there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just don't think they really have it figured out at this moment. But, yeah, that that whole thing was – and, like, I listened to the one that – I didn't watch it, but I listened to the podcast of the first band talk that aired for them. And it was, it was still the signature kind of flow and everything, but it was, like, pretty mild and yes. whatnot. And so I think they were going to create a pretty mild show, but, like, they're still going to be barstool – and if you're going to affiliate with them, you have to be cool with all of it. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And just they clearly were not. It kind of comes with the territory, you know? I mean, like when you sign a partnership with Barstool, I feel like you are you know what kind of brand they are. So, right. yes. Um, okay, so I have a, a fun question for you, Kelly. I mean, you are so immersed in a lot of different sports publications, podcasts, shows that you watch. What are your three Go to either broadcasters or media outlets, shows, I mean, podcasts, any, name anything that you, like on a weekly or daily basis, that you turn to for your sports information. Ooh, well, I have to give shouts to our girl, Laura Rutledge. She is one of our good friends, your best friend. And yes. I love I love watching her. I love watching her on Fine Bomb. And I, I put that on pretty frequently because it's pretty entertaining, but I love her. Um, I, in terms of like what I listen to every day, I mean, I do listen to part of my take like mm-hmm. pretty frequently cause it's very, it's kind of doing that thing that we've talked about of 
it's talking about sports and it's also talking about a lot of other stuff and yes. you know they have funny segments and everything but they do have some pretty good news in there so i do listen to part of my take and let me see what else i mean i so honestly this is this is gonna sound so strange but the way i curate i'll give you an inside look into the daily rally okay the way i put together the daily rally is you're familiar with slack the messaging yes, I, app yes. and everything mm-hmm. slack is the sole reason that TDR exists and that's what I will always give credit to I have a bot programmed in there that feeds in all of these different Twitter feeds that I've programmed for so every every team every sports outlet all of it goes into this we call it fire hose and Mm -hmm. that is what I mean, I don't miss, I don't miss anything. Yeah. And so that's really like, I basically have created this like Twitter feed and, and that's how, cause I, I really do like to read a lot. Like I'm a big article reader over video watcher, mm-hmm. which is apparently not the trend happening <laughs> these days, but like, I, I really do like to read. And so that is typically, typically what I, what I read the most. I love in terms of golf, no, laying up is great. I don't know if you follow them. They're mm-hmm. they're friends of mine, and they're they're really they're great guys. They're super fun, so I like them. And yeah, that's a, a really good recommendation for golf fans out there. Yes, they're awesome. They're super fun, and they they know what they're talking about. They're they've definitely expanded. I think the the founder just quit his job and co founder and everybody, so they're all in right now too, which good is really exciting for that. Yep, yep, kindred spirits. But <laughs> let me see what else. Yeah, those are the big ones. Yeah, no, those are great recommendations. I just know you're so you're always on top of everything and so well informed. So <laughs> I try to be, but I also get seriously fatigued from it, and sometimes I just lay and watch every episode of what's it called Black Mirror all at once, and <laughs> do not look at sports for because you know do you get fatigued yeah. from it too? Yes. Like I'm not, I'm not scared to admit that. Like there are times I'm like I don't care, I yeah. don't want to see anything, I don't want to watch the game. But then that lasts like an hour and then I'm back at it. But. Exactly. I definitely feel sometimes that I, especially when you're you're going through your busiest season, like for me, that's football season. Obviously for you in the past, oh, yeah. that's been golf. And so by the end of it, you're like, I just want to unplug and and just have, have another kind of outlet. Yes. But then you have this FOMO, this fear of missing out that just takes yeah. over every time like an ESPN alert comes through or something pops up on your Twitter oh, feed. God, I'm addicted. <laughs> Well, and that's what constant struggle. So when I was working at the tour, I would watch, you know, the entire tournament, like telecast. So that'd be from like four to six hours, depending on the day and the tournament and everything. And then if I was going out to dinner afterward or something, then you go in a restaurant and the telecast is replaying <laughs> on Golf Channel. I was like, shut it off. I've seen I've seen it all. I can't I can't do this anymore. Yeah, you're like, I have this uh, memorized. I can't. But I've I have like when Tiger made us come back in December and during the Open Championship, I think I watched almost every minute of it because yeah. I still I still love it a lot. <laughs> well, Kelly, thank you so much for the time today. I, I had a, a blast talking to you about Thanks, just all, all of these really relevant, important topics. And your insight is, is really not only – informative but entertaining so i I appreciate i appreciate it all and we will um i know we can keep in in touch with you on twitter on instagram and on facebook do you want to is it just the daily rally is that your twitter handle yep so follow at the daily rally on instagram facebook twitter instagram is my favorite for the daily rally i think we post the best on there and (laughs) then for me it is oh my gosh i'm like all over the place on twitter it's the khawk tdr 
and on Instagram, it's the K underscore Hawk. Okay, perfect. We will keep up to date with you. And I'm sure we'll have you back on sooner rather than later for another roundtable discussion. Thanks so much for joining us. I would love to join you again. This is fun. And that's going to wrap up this week's episode of Ball Like a Girl. If you missed last week's episode, in the spirit of the Winter Olympics, you have to check it out. I talked with a few members of the U.S. women's national hockey team as they prepare for Pyeongchang. We discussed their fight for equitable support and pay, how they're training for the upcoming Olympics, and what we all can do to change the conversation surrounding women in sports. This group of women is one of the most inspirational group of athletes that I've been able to cover in my reporting career, and this podcast is just a small glimpse into the insight that these women can offer, but I highly encourage you to take a listen to it. And while you're on our iTunes page, make sure you hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any future episodes. We have a lot of well-accomplished, wonderful guests in store for you in 2018. As always, I love to continue this conversation with you all, with our listeners on social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Please send us your feedback, your comments on the podcast. It's so great to connect with you guys on there too. So thanks for listening to this edition of Balika Girl presented by Heavy.com. We'll be back with a new episode next week, but in the meantime, make it a great one.